You were at E3, and so that must have been also crazy. Yeah, I was at E3, uh, and uh, then when I got home, everything just kind of went to hell. Like, my computer wouldn't turn on, uh, and Samantha had broke my glasses. So these are like a backup pair of glasses. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, I'm lucky that that all happened after E3 happened. <laughs> uh, but the last two days, I've kind of been scrambling around, trying to pick things up. And then this Laker news happens, which I'm super excited about. So, like, that... Okay, explain to me why everyone in Los Angeles <laughs> is freaking out, because I have no idea. Okay, so the Los Angeles Lakers are probably the biggest franchise in, yeah. in the NBA, right? Uh, and so we've had a couple of down years the last maybe five to six years. I think basically bit. I moved to LA and your luck just disappeared. Right. I mean, you know, it's, it's been a, it's been a couple down years. Uh, but last year we got LeBron James, who's yeah. probably going to go down as either the best or second best player of all time. Right. Uh, he's a little older now. He's in his mid thirties. So usually players retire late thirties, early forties. So he's, he's, he's on the downhill. Slope right. Now. But he's still one of the top yeah. five players in the NBA. So he's still fantastic and, and amazing. And so last year we had, uh, what we refer to as the young core of players that we've been stockpiling for the past couple of years. So they're all 20 to 21, maybe some are 19 that are solid young players that were growing. And so the idea was to maybe grow them alongside LeBron James and see if they were, they would blossom into, into beauty. And then we can go yeah. ahead and, and, and build a way. solid core around them. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we don't have a lot of time, of course, because yeah. we can't wait for them to build. So this is where this comes in, where uh, Anthony Davis plays for the New Orleans Pelicans, right? He is a seven-time All-Star. He is a six-time All-Pro. And he's, he's only 26. Okay, I was about to make a joke about what are those things, and then you said 26, and I was like, wait, no, I'm not going to pretend anymore. That's actually, that's impressive. Yeah, uh, so, uh, he, of course, New Orleans, he's one of, he's probably a top, he's, he is a top three player in the NBA. You could make an argument he is the best player in the NBA. Uh, he has some injury concerns, but that mainly comes down to the fact that the New Orleans Pelicans, who also own the Saints, uh, also use their football training staff for their basketball team to save money because they're a poor organization. Uh, so that doesn't. So that could be part of the reason why he has injury concerns, right? Uh, also, New Orleans is a small market, so a lot of people don't know. A lot of casual, maybe not basketball fans, don't really know who he is. The moment he would be on a bigger team, he would probably right. get more attention. And then, so he doesn't have a shoe deal, which is incredible for a player that could be the best player in the NBA. Uh, you know, stuff like that, right? So he, of course, wants out. He shares an agent with LeBron James, right? Yeah. Uh, so we traded three members of the young core, probably the, our best next three players, to the Pelicans, along with draft picks for the next five years. Oh. Uh, which is a lot. I mean, we gave up a lot, but we're getting Anthony Davis. So we have yeah. Anthony Davis, and we can now pair Anthony Davis with LeBron James. We have two of the five best players in the NBA, uh, we kept Kyle Kuzma, who's a member of the Young Core, who's still a great player. Uh, and then we also have room. So the NBA works on a cap yeah. system, right? So they have I certain... actually know what a salary cap is because right. I follow hockey. Right. So there's a, certain <laughs> amount of, for anyone know, there's a certain amount of money that they're allowed to spend on players, right? So with this Anthony Davis trade, uh, with LeBron James on staff and with Kyle Kuzma uh, and the other kind of young players that we have, like the lesser young players that we have, yeah. Uh, we still have room for one more max player, so another top player in the NBA. So in other words, everything's going right. Like, and going so, LA. so the rumor and the the number one kind of option here, uh, Kawhi Leonard just won an NBA championship with Toronto. Uh, he is now a free agent. He was the Finals MVP. 
He was traded to Toronto against his will because, you know, of course, he doesn't get to choose where he's traded. Yeah. Uh, he's traded from the Spurs. He didn't want to be in the Spurs anymore, so they traded him to Toronto. Uh, he won a championship in his only year in Toronto. <laughs> he's, he was the finals MVP and the most important player of that entire kind of And he's a free run. agent. He's a free agent, and he grew up uh, a Laker fan and grew up in, a, in the city of Los Angeles. <laughs> and so everyone is now just... Come on home! Come on home! You grew up here, come on home. And you get to play with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. We'll have three of the top five players in the league on the same team. I'm very excited. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. We will. We'll see what happens in two weeks. Okay, so I'm guessing this might actually be a case where sports might get follow-up. <laughs> yeah, this is awesome. I'm very excited. But like, okay. but like that, that's why the city's going nuts. So... Good to know. All of these things are kind of swirling together to make a... Again, like, as much as the Dodgers are great and the, the Rams just went to the Super Bowl and the Dodgers have been in the World Series two years in a row, this city is very much a Laker town and a basketball town. Uh, and so when the Lakers are doing well, the the mood of the the city changes. And you saw that last year when, we got, when you signed LeBron James. Like, that was kind of... Yeah, how it seemed like there was a lot of people who were just, like, amped. Right. And so, like, it... It, we're a Laker town, and so that, that's kind of the buzz. It's the same thing for, like, Boston and what I assume the Red Sox and the Celtics and stuff like that, right? So Yeah. Um, so yeah. I guess let's let's move on. Yeah, let's, to dive the, let's dive in. So, James, let's move to TV. So this one's going to be kind of a quick one. I don't know if either of us are really going to discuss it much, as mu- but it's more of a an interesting thing that broke either this week or last week. Um with the I know we both um <laughs> are fans of the Russo brothers. Yes. They've just come off Avengers Endgame. Yes. A lot of speculation have been going into them going to yes. either Lucasfilm or would they continue with Marvel? And then the news broke that they are going to be executive producing a Magic the Gathering right. series for Netflix. And I I saw that and I was immediately like, Well, I guess Disney lost them. Right. I mean so this is the weird part, right? I feel like Netflix is just grabbing at anything they can. They're like, this yeah. is a popular thing. This is things people like. Uh, and I don't think they're really taking the time to really understand or think about why people like that thing. Like, I love Magic, right? I love playing Magic. I love car- I love card games in general, but I love Magic. Uh, I'm not really into the lore of Magic, and I know a lot of people that are into Magic aren't really into the lore of Magic. Yeah. Uh, it, at this point, it's muddled and it's a little confusing and it's very. Because I guess I wonder how much of that is. It seems like there's a lore focus right now, a Wizards, when it comes to magic. Because sure. uh, I think you one get... of the companion, like one of the newer books for Fifth Edition D and D, is uh, based in the universe of Magic: The Gathering. Sure. So you could basically do a D and D campaign in Magic: The Gathering land, and. Um, it's Ravnica. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, obviously they're trying to, like, build, like, because the 5th edition D&D is getting pretty big, and or getting, it's pretty it's big. big. Um, Magic the Gathering has been reportedly in a bit of a slump in the past few years, but it's yeah. on the upswing. So it... I think we're seeing Magic kind of adjust to the current state of... of TCGs and like where they're heading. So of course they went digital. Uh, they did digital a couple years ago, and yeah, that's been doing really well. But I think it's the idea of like the idea of Hearthstone and scrolls and like uh, 
with and Gwen's and things like that, where these have very defined themes and lore that people follow even outside of playing the TCG. Right. And so it gives you a lot more connection to them. Like, I know Marvel Battle Lines is another kind of card game that's on mobile that's pretty good that I've been playing. Uh, but, I mean, again, all of these things make me stay because I love the IP that it's based around. Right. Um, even Gwent, right? Like, a lot of people love The Witcher and love Gwent. Gwent was... I, I need to just sit down and play because they have the standalone Gwent game. Right. I just need to sit down and play that because as much as I'm not very deep in Witcher, it's one of the things I'm probably going to pick up to play next just right. to... Because the one time I did sit down and Coming start to Switch, playing, by the way. yeah, we're gonna get into that. Right. But um, it's Gwent was fun. Yeah. Like once I learned the rules, like the first time I played, right. I was like, "What I mean, am I, I doing?" I feel like that's any TCG though. Yeah, like, but once I did one playthrough, and I'm like, "Oh, oh," it was it just clicks, like right? it, it just clicks, yeah. which is a very fun feeling. But it, I've and, heard a lot of speculation about Magic specifically. Well, not, not sorry, not Magic specifically, but about a lot of the productions going on in general is that everyone is searching for the next Game of Thrones and they're diving into any right. popular fantasy style story in the hopes that it's going to be the next big thing. Netflix is already doing a Witcher series. Amazon has Lord of the Rings and is doing, I believe, also Wheel of Time. It's just... Everyone, Wheel of Time could be great. Wheel of Time could be great. But what's crazy is everyone is just like, Game of Thrones was so big, let's all buy up all these properties and spend hundreds of millions of dollars making them, and it seems like this is just another one of those acquisitions, and it's getting a lot of attention because of the names attached. Right, and I feel I feel like it's a bit of a mistake, because I don't think the fantasy setting was what made Game of Thrones Game of Thrones. I don't think people really cared. Mm-hmm. I think it's more the characters and the way that was written, and the way it was... Pro- the, the, f- way, the production value, and I think the way it was done. I think if you the could, fantasy setting was like the it was like the spices, right? I mean, you could have you, but to me, you could have set Game of Thrones in space and made it like a Star Wars show, and like yes. it would have been fine. And it's called the Expanse, right? Um, <laughs> and that's kind of the thing is that was I think the like it like I said like the fantasy was the spice, right? It wasn't the meal, right? And I think that that's where they're getting a little confused or mixed up. I mean this. I hate to shit on it because I, I think it could be really cool because I know some of magic lore and I think it's really cool and I think it could be great. But I don't think people are attached to it the way that they think that – like you hear Magic the Gathering, you don't think of lore. You think of like – The card game. The, yeah, you, you literally just go – there's what I wouldn't there's a card have – There's strategy. There's whatever, right? Like there's cards I like. There's cards I use. I mean like the thing is that a lot of times cards that you're using aren't even like – synergistically – like in terms of lore, like synergistically compatible. Right. Like I – I, if you had told me a few years ago, like, if you, I, that there was a lore, like an actual written and maintained right. lore behind Magic the Gathering, I've been like, you mean just like they write, like how there's some games out there that have kind of just like, they have a little thing written on them. Right. It's like to be like, look, we have lore here, but that's it. It's like, it's very skin deep. And they're like, no, 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 there's no, deeper there's lore. Like deep lore. And, and it's like, like I know, okay. I know a lot of people that are deep and hardcore into Magic that are into the lore and that's great. Like, this is going to be great for them. This is going to be awesome. But I'm guaranteeing you, Netflix is looking at the name Magic the Gathering and thinking it's bigger than it is in terms of people caring about the lore. And that's going to be a concern. Now, it could be different if they do it, the framework in which they do it. If they play it in the framework. (laughs) No, if they play it in the framework of of a actual card game. Of, like, it's it's me and you playing a card game and and it, like, dives into the into the table that could be interesting right it dives into the table and like 
what the story being told is through the, is card, game. Through the yeah. card game could be really cool. That could be really cool. Yeah. I, I would actually, I would tune into that. That would be yeah, just really that could be cool really cool. It. But I mean, I it sounds like they're going to go straight just into they're just going straight lore. And like that's that's not good. I don't uh, I don't see people being into that. Yeah, I think my thing was I'm like, huh, magic is interesting. I've heard. I don't think there's been anything concrete, but there's rumors Wizards has been shopping around Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm surprised yeah. that hasn't been picked up. Uh, like I would have expected D and D over so there's, magic. So there's a there's an early 2000s movie, a Dungeons and Dragons movie, uh, starring a Wayne's brother. I'm not sure which one it was, but uh, Guilty Pleasure. I love that movie. It's terrible CG. And it's like early 2000s CG. I have to watch it's this really now. Bad, but I love it. Did you ever watch any of the 80s cartoon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's so wonderfully yeah, bad. Yeah, it's so wonderfully <laughs> bad. And. and <laughs> The same thing is true for this movie. Like, it's cheesy, it's bad, the CG's terrible, the story's predictable, but it's, like, it hits the threshold of, like, it's so bad, it's It's, it's awesome. so bad, it's awesome? Yeah, okay. Um, all right. No, the thing that I find interesting is, uh, that the voice of the unicorn in the cartoon from the 80s is the guy who voices Nibbler in Futurama. Oh, okay, that's pretty cool. <laughs> All right, that's cool. It's, what's his name? I think it's David Walker. It's Frank Walker. Frank Walker. Thank you, that's James. That's awesome. I'm, I'm and in. He's, I'm in. Yeah, he... I, there's a good period of time where if you watch a mo- an animated show of any... Or movie. Right. From, like, I want to say, like, this maybe like the 60s on and if there's any animal voices, if it's not an actual animal voice, it's like Frank Walker. <laughs> that's awesome. I'm totally in. But uh, I think that does it. Let's keep going. James, if you are ready, let's switch it up to tech. All right. So we're going to start with what is arguably the big news out of WWDC. Well, that's well, the that's the big news. That's the that's the news that's making me. Well, actually, let's sidestep for just a moment. <laughs> One of the problems, because for people who is the ninety percent of it's the big news is the expensive ass computer. But for the pe- people who don't know my computer situation in the past year or so, I had an iMac just completely die on me after seven years. I mean, that's yeah, I mean that's, that's like respectable. Average that's average lifespan. Yeah. It still was at a really like inconvenient sure. time, but it happened. But I wasn't in a position to immediately go out and replace it with an equivalent iMac, so I built a Hackintosh. And I want dark mode so bad, but because when I built my Hackintosh, the general rule of thumb was to use an NVIDIA card because NVIDIA was making drivers. Sure. And NVIDIA stopped making drivers oh, in Mojave. So I'm still like, I'm going to be two generations old and I can't get dark mode. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm literally thinking about just buying like a $100 AMD uh, card. card, and just so I can <laughs> just not deal with that anymore. But yeah, no, the big news was the Mac Pro, the big, expensive $6,000 monstrosity that... Yeah. Did you look at it at all, or no? I did, and I... I think it goes back to the thing with Macs with me, where it's like, cool, this is great, I could get a PC that's like three times this for the same price. Right, like, uh, cool. Maybe ish. Yeah. I mean, what's What's interesting about the Mac Pro is if this was the first time in a while for an Apple keynote where I was just like cursing the entire time, not out of like 
irritation. Yeah. <laughs> but like, holy shit. Right. Um, I think the big thing people need to realize when they're looking at the price of that computer and that monitor. Um, first off, this is a pretty damn powerful computer. It is. It's like it's a crazy computer. Holy shit. Uh, like they showed off like I this is my little my my dabbling in video editing coming out, but the fact that they showed off live, unrendered, like they didn't have to render playback of three eight K video streams, right. that is impossible for like 99% of computers. Right. 99% of computers couldn't even do one 8K video stream. Like it's it's insane. That computer is not for you or me. No. That computer is what I was sitting there going That's for Hollywood. This is yeah, exactly. This is the uh this is production technologies people, the yeah. people who are going to be building uh editing suite in Hollywood, who don't care that it's going to cost them after they spec it out ten to twelve thousand dollars just for the rig, they're going to buy it, and they're going to buy twenty of them. Right. And I think a lot of the people kind of going why uh, questioning the price of the Mac Pro. I think part of it is you and I are more on the enthusiast level, where I would love. Absolutely love yeah, to this have. Isn't, this isn't for like ninety nine percent of people. Yeah, I would love to have an Apple box, like charge fifteen hundred dollars for it and have nothing but the processor and like a, a stick of RAM. Right. I would probably be willing to pay the fifteen hundred dollars for it and then add my own graphics card and add a whole bunch of other sure. stuff, just because I could use PCI expansion slots. Like I actually have a use for that. Right. But. Most people don't, and that market is currently the one market that's not being served by Apple. So everyone looking at the Mac Pro going, oh, hey, I could build an enthusiast-level rig for a similar price. It's like, but you aren't going to be... I think the processor alone, the Xeon processor, is like 1500 Right. It, it's, it's crazy. Right. I mean, I think where Apple sort of loses people, and like, I think if they could sell it that way... And I think that they're clearer in their wording of like, this is what it's for. And like, this is, this is what you're going to, like, obviously they show it off, but the average level consumer that's watching the keynote that, that is happy with their iPhone or whatever, that just watching yeah. for their iPhone wants to like, doesn't really care. It doesn't understand like what they're targeting. Uh, I think where they lose people is stuff where it's like nine, nine ninety nine for the, for the stand. stand of like, okay. Like, and even if you don't know what it's for, you see that and you go, this is ridiculous. Right. Right. And I think like, that's where they lose people. And I think that's the biggest problem is that they basically built both with the computer and the monitor, which, by the way, holy shit. Yeah. I'm not questioning the tech. I'm oh. questioning their spin behind it. Yeah. And, like sort of. My thing about the stand, and I think it's also, again, because I've lived in the world where there are, where I've not been the person who's made the purchase, but sure. I've you know, had to talk to people who've made purchases right. like that. The idea that you could either buy the stand or you could buy the vase amount adapter. Mm -hmm. You don't have to like, you can choose right. for them. That's probably an upside sure. for the people who are going to be your typical buyer here. The stand is kind of 
normal. Like having to buy it separately because what's going to happen is the people who are this is aimed for, which are video editors, photographers, that type of people, they might already have a setup. Right. And they're going to need to put that monitor in there. And it might just be easier to put the monitor on your old vase amount right. and call it good. And by not making them by even though yeah you could they could have just bumped up the price a thousand bucks and included the stand right. by not doing that i i think that's the market they're aiming for it but it 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 didn't play well no and, and it wasn't like, explained well and i totally understand from what you're saying i'm just saying optically it's what the it's, optics are bad it's what's causing the problem right like yeah. stuff like that is what causes the problem where it's like it's a grand for the stand yeah it pays separately for the stand but the problem the other problem is what apple Apple makes really good displays. Right. They make... Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're wonderful displays. They could literally just take the iMac panel, sell it for a thousand bucks, and people would buy it. Sure. That's, that's the other side of things. It's like my whole thing of where I wish I would do an enthusiast rig that I could, you know, add my own stuff to. Sure. They don't... This, I think, was them trying to appeal to the pro class that has been leaving the Macintosh. Right. And being like, no, look, we're big, we're back. This is awesome. And I think for them, this machine like ticks off every single box. Sure. But it doesn't help the fact that there are going to be people out there going, oh, this is... They're not realizing that a, the $6,000 rig is in competing with other $6,000 rigs from like Dell and right. HP. And it's just that Apple gets a lot of attention. Yeah. And again, it goes back... It doesn't help the idea that like apple's expensive no it doesn't it does not help that at all it does not help at all but i think i it's like when i first saw the imac pro stuff and i was just like i can i don't think i could put it through its paces right i definitely couldn't put this thing through its paces no way it would be overkill you and you would rack your brain trying to get this thing to crash or get this thing to like i know like like i think they had a thousand logic tracks playing in a demo it was it there's was insane. No, there's no reason for us to have that amount of power. Yeah, you and I n- don't need that amount of power. No, um, James might. James maybe <laughs> depends on what ideas he's got up his sleeve. Um, but yeah, and I think that's the thing that a lot of people don't. It, it's this is a pro machine. Sure. By purest definition the what i am interested in seeing i think this is the wrong place to do it i think like they're doing such a, a weird thing i think they're trying to show off of like like you said like to pull people back in and i think that wwdc has become something more than just a it's like e3 right where it's become more than just something for tech people yeah and it's become sort of a casual thing to watch, like to watch, because everyone has an iPhone. Everyone has some kind of Apple connection. So of course, everyone's going to watch it for, at, at a casual level. And I think that then, all they're going to see is computer six thousand, right? And like that doesn't, monitor thousand dollar stand, right? And like that's going to cause a problem. Yeah, and I think that's where we're at right now. Where Apple's in a transition phase, or maybe not. Like maybe they're they're kind of butting against this idea of them being for. Um, like building products for a mass audience where that's not what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, there's, I think the analogy I've heard the most inside the Mac community has been everyone's trying to complain that the Ferrari isn't um, the same price as a Honda. Right. And the problem I think is a lot of people haven't realized that this is Apple's Ferrari. Right. This is a performance vehicle. It's not intended to be 
mass market. No, I but, totally understand. I, I just think like at this point, people view Apple as that. As a consumer brand, yeah. Right, but they're not. Um, the thing I'm interested in, though, is seeing performance specs out of it once it can get in the hands of people. Sure. Because that graphics card they made, it's basically, they took two graphics cards and then they just combined them into one. And you can fit two of those, maybe even, it might even be three, but you can fit two of those in there. So you basically have four like high-end Vega graphics cards and you can cram them in there. And I'm just like, oh shit, that thing is going to be powerful. Oh yeah, Absolutely. Like I, I want to see the benchmarks on it. Like I'm honestly excited to see the benchmarks. Yeah. And then at the same time, I do hope that they they make something for someone at my level. Like just they'll they'll probably spike down a little bit. Yeah. We'll I, see. Yeah. Like it doesn't even need to be like the full crazy that they're doing with the current one. Like literally, just basically take the Mac Mini, put it in a bigger case with PCI slots, and people like me would be very happy. Um, but. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know if Apple... It's it's a market that's dominated by gaming, which means it's dominated by Windows, and it might not be a big enough market for Apple to do it. No. And I think that's the real problem. Is Again, like I think it goes back to the thing of you can either target the top 1%, or like if you scale back, how much is that, that next like 10% worth right. to grab? It's like probably not worth the amount of money that you're spending but needless to say i wasn't spending planning to spend twelve thousand dollars on a computer anytime soon or ever so hey yeah no um if i was spending a ten thousand dollar or ten thousand dollars on a computer i would actually be buying multiple computers and yeah um (laughs) the only uh, to move on from the mac pro uh did you look at any of the iOS, iPadOS stuff. I did. I, I installed uh, I installed the beta on my uh, I on my iPad. But I'm I mean, I'm waiting for the public beta. Yeah. But there's a lot of bugs. I know there's a lot of bugs, but a lot of the features they've added just for the iPad alone. Right. Like when I bought this thing, this for people who might be listening because the podcast version of this might be done soon. Yay. Um, what ha- When I bought this, I bought it with the understanding that Apple, like, it was almost like... The, Apple's going to make it more people. Apple's going to make it better. Like, the hardware is perfect. The software will catch up. Right. Um, and... I mean, stuff like the USB storage Right, is USB huge. storage uh, is huge. I think it's the idea that Ma- uh, Apple's saying, like, no, your iPad's your, your new laptop. Right, and I think that that's where they're treading. Yeah, I think that's where they're going. Like even the fact that your icons on your home screen are going to stay in the same position regardless of rotation, mm-hmm. just like little things like that. It's just I'm really excited about iPad OS uh, in a way to where it's like I feel like it's not necessarily validation in my decision to get an iPad, sure. but it's definitely reinforcing that it was a good idea. Right. Um. No, I totally understand it. I'm excited for it. It's just something where I need to... I've seen the list, and of course, there's a lot on there that they don't talk about. That just, yeah. like, it, they have to figure it out. Uh, and you have to discover. And that's kind of the fun of, like, a new OS coming out. And so, yeah, as soon as the 
As soon as public beta comes out and it's stable enough, I will install it. Yeah, exactly. And I will say that. Like, that's how. And the thing is, is I've. Let's revisit this in a week when, when that happens. Right. And that's the crazy thing for me is I've always intentionally avoided the public beta on everything just right. because it's, it's still, it's a beta. And Apple, unlike Google, actually follows what that means. And that means oh, yeah. it's actually still in active development. And it's still buggy. And it's still terrible. buggy. So you don't necessarily want to put it on your daily driver. But once everyone's like, oh, yeah, the public beta is stable, I am so on board that just yeah. because it's just like the level of ref- – it's like they take this and they're refining it. Right. Finally. Um, I think that's that's sort of when they took it on the chin a couple of years ago of like people complaining about it and all the issues they had. And then they went back and said, okay, we're going to scrap new features and, and go back to sort of basics. I think like them taking that on the chin and saying like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We're going to go back and fix what and refine and fix and, and yeah. tune up what we have. And like the fact that they devoted time just to be like, okay, so we've done a bunch of iOS updates like dark mode. Right. But here are a bunch of updates that are iPad specific. It It's a good sign because that's been one of the biggest problems in the iPad is that... It just feels like a big iPhone. It just, yeah, like, yeah. like if for something to be brought to iPad, it almost needed to be brought to iPhone first. And now they're finally being like, no, this is its own thing. Right, I think them splitting them is is a big deal. Yeah, so. it's it's a big deal. Makes me really excited. Um, yeah, but I think the thing with WWC this year is I'm stealing this from someone on um, ask or from ATP or Accidental Tech Podcast, so I don't remember who said it there. <laughs> but this was like the first keynote in a while where it felt like, as much as there are issues over the Mac Pro in terms of like pricing and sure. ex- like how everyone's receiving it after the keynote. Right. This was the first time in a long time where it felt like Apple was firing on all cylinders, on all devices. Everything got an update. Everything got a change. Everything got a, like, it was like, this is the Apple we've been kind of being like, where's Apple for right. the past few years? It's like, oh, they're they're almost back, guys. I mean, I was kind of waiting, too, for the car announcement because, like, that's where they were at. They were really ramping for a while of, like, man, they're going, they're coming out with everything. And they're like, what's the one more thing? Is it the fucking car? It's like, no, but I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I think they're investing a lot of technology in it, but I don't They've think they've been it's, working on that car forever. And they like, have. It's not even a rumor at this point. We know they're working on We know car. they're working on a car. Um, but let's continue on. Uh, James, let's move on to games. We do have one in games. We do have one little bit of future uh, or continued WWDC content. Um, this is the thing that. I kind of was like, I do, I think everyone's sleeping on this a okay. little bit. Hit me. First off, one of the big problems I have said, and a lot, a lot of people said, is that Apple needs to make a first-party controller. Okay. Oh, fuck that. They don't need to do that anymore. Right. You can do the Xbox and the PlayStation controller. They've announced it works for tvOS, iOS. I'm still trying to confirm if it works on macOS, but... Uh, I think it does. I think it does. Yeah. So... Screw it. I can just buy one controller and it works. But I think the real kicker is the other big Mac news was Project Catalyst. And the reason I think that I threw this under gaming and the reason why I think a lot of people are sleeping on this Mm -hmm. is they apparently gave access to Gameloft Mm -hmm. uh, two weeks before. And Gameloft ported an iPad version of a game to Mac. Mm -hmm. No big deal. Sure. But 
that means there is a version of a game that will work on iPhone, iPad, and Mac. Right. The reason why I'm like I'm wondering how it it maybe not isn't going to make the Mac or Apple ecosystem the biggest thing in gaming, but it definitely makes it more interesting because right. now instead of having to port a game for from console like Fortnite, if they had they had to port right. it for iOS, now basically the port is done for Mac, even though they had a Mac version. Sure. And with um, things like Unreal Engine working on iOS and Mac OS and all that, it's almost it's just it's kind of exciting to think about, especially with like Apple Arcade, even though it's only been announced for iOS. I'm expecting it to also be like a surprise. It's also sure. on Mac. I think this makes the entire ecosystem of Apple a bit more interesting to watch because now all of a sudden you can make one game and it works in three places. Sure. I mean, I think the the problem is there's like multiple problems. So like the yeah. thing is that the App Store ecospace and Google Play for that matter, all anything mobile is just a cesspool of garbage. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on there that I, I'm not looking forward to coming back. No, and it will. It will, yeah. And so, like, that's where you have a problem where Apple really needs to, if if they want to focus on gaming, which it seems like they want to get more involved, but not necessarily focus. So it, it seems like they're going to need to curate hard and, and really kind of clean that up if it's ever yeah. going to be a serious place for gaming to happen. Uh, obviously, it, they're not interested in that because, you know, whatever, they just print money. Uh, and it doesn't really matter because, like, the cream rises to the crop anyway. But, I mean, it's hard. Sometimes Some things get lost and some things get pulled yeah. up that, like, don't, shouldn't be up there. But, um, yeah, I think, like, there needs to be more curation. I think right now it just like, it looks like a jumbled mess. And it could ruin, if they bring it fully to Mac OS, it could be a huge problem. Yeah. Uh, just because you have shovelware and all kinds of other stuff that shouldn't be on there that you're just going to clutter more stuff. Uh, that can be an issue. I think like people don't really see the Mac as a gaming platform anymore. I think that that's well. I think that's never been the case. Well, I mean, um, look at me. Even I completely, even if a game runs on Mac, I don't install it on my Mac. Right, and so like Any, on think, the Mac side of the Hackintosh anymore, I install it on the Windows. I think that's the uh, problem. Partition. I think like I think the problem is less about people not wanting or not putting the effort towards. I, I think it's less about. Mac being difficult to port to or difficult to work with rather than it is, is it worth it for us to port to Mac? Like, is it worth the resources and the time to port to Mac? And usually the answer is no. Usually the answer is no. And so that's the big issue that people have with Mac. Because I think it's not, again, it's not an issue of is this thing coming to Mac? It's is it worth it coming to Mac? Uh, and I think that if that makes it, if this makes it easier, sure. But I think it could give it a, a bad connotation if like only mobile ports are going to Mac. Like if that can make it. Yeah, problems. then it can make a different, definite problem. But it also means that for I, I big games, like if like your Fortnite or your uh, PUBG, where they've made a mobile port for right. iOS, but that are very different from the yeah the PC port. So like you would still need to do tweaking to make it work properly. Yeah. You would still need to tweak it and make it work. And it might not be something you could do a direct port, but it definitely like, again, I, I don't think Apple has, but they're think, making progress, but I don't think it's, I think if, if you're spending time, I think the amount of time you would spend tweaking an iOS port to work on Mac, I think is the same amount of effort you would spend making a PC game, a Mac compatible game. So I don't think that that's the main 
like driver. I think it's the it's the idea of like, is it worth it to us? Yeah, and I don't think. I think it depends on the game, right? But it, it definitely, for me, it's one of the reasons why I'm like, okay, this is kind of interesting because now it's I really think it's, interesting. it's very interesting because nothing could happen, right? But I don't think it will, and knowing Apple, it won't because again, Apple would need to step up. And depending on how things go with Apple Arcade, they might not step up enough. I but, don't think it's going to do that well, to be fair. Yeah, it depends on the games, honestly. Right. Like, they have to show off some amazing stuff. No, and the thing is, like, the big, the big moneymakers and the big kind of played games on mobile aren't the games that you would sell with Arcade. They aren't, like, your standalone purchase games. Right. They are your, your microtransaction, like, gotcha collecting games like those are the ones that make money yeah and like those are the big ones and those are the ones people play and because i think the only only good thing is the fact that to port it to mac it needs to have an ipad client right so if you only have an iphone version of the app you can't just port it to mac you right. still have to put the effort into building it to ipad and it might not be worth it right. but again where my whole thing with the where it makes it interesting is like is it means that you can now have one game working on your phone, your iPad, your Apple TV, and your computer, and right. it and it with minimal work on the developer end, evidently. I would doubt minimal because again, like you'd have to tweak it so that. Oh yeah, you'd have to tweak it, but but, um, but again, like a lot of the games aren't designed with controller in mind. Yeah, with with, with interface other than touchscreen in mind, right? So you basically have to change your entire design philosophy once you insert controller capabilities. Or yeah, but the fact that GameLoft did have a working port within a week, right? That of a game, like I mean, I think that's pretty standard. To be fair, yeah, like, I've seen I've seen people port from PC to Mac like working in a week. Or are it's they just, doing a actual port, or are they just wrapping it in wine? I don't know. I I just know like they've gotten it working on Mac in a week. It's just a matter of now, again, tweaking it and, and adjusting your UI or adjusting your design to make it function with a controller for a different interface. Yeah. I think that that's the problem that you're going to run into porting from... Like, it's just cleaner to port from PC to Mac because the interface is going to be the same. The interface is one-to-one. Right. Where porting from mobile to Mac or to even Apple TV gets messy. And I think that that could create lower quality games that are going to make the Mac ecosystem even worse for gaming, right? Like, at least the, the perception of it could be worse. Yeah. I mean, if all that happens is your Flappy Bird knockoff is the only thing that gets ported, then yeah, this... <laughs> Flappy Bird. D- this totally did not go the way I think anyone thought it would. Straight but up, if- I have a phone somewhere that has original Flappy Bird on it. If anyone wants to buy that stuff, that's still worth like a thousand dollars. I'm totally in. <laughs> Remember when those were going for like crazy money? Yeah, I do. Because like the guy deleted it. Yeah. So like, if you want Flappy Birds, fucking sell your phones. If you still have Flappy Bird on your phone, sell your phone. I don't think it got ported for the 64 bit, so it won't work on a newer no, OS. No, but if you still have it. You still have it in a drawer. Um, but no, that's that was my thing about it is that they the controller support and Catalyst it means doesn't mean that we're going to all of a sudden see a renaissance in Mac gaming, but it could become interesting to watch. Sure, and I hope it does become interesting to watch. But I'm not going to hold my breath. I think it's going to be garbage fire. I hope not. But <laughs> then again, at the same time, you wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised. A B. 
I don't see myself stopping from having Windows being my primary gaming machine anytime soon. No. Because um, the nice thing about Windows is I can just open Steam and then not deal with Windows. Sure. <laughs> it's like, it's hey very easy. Games for Windows Live. Just remember. Never, uh, forget, never forget. I will say the new Xbox kind of functionality within uh, Windows 10 is actually really good now. So. Oh, it's getting better. I'll actually have to look at it. I finally was able to update my game you can get, tag. You can get Game Pass for a dollar, by the way, for a month. Hmm. Just saying. I, I might have to look into that. Yeah, it's real good. Um, but let's let's move on from WWDC. Let's move on to uh, Star Wars: Fallen Order. Yeah. Did you? I I bet you watched the playthrough, but did you uh, get uh, a chance to play it at all? <laughs> so insider information here. Full insider information here. The game says when when you watch the playthrough. So uh, there was a little bit of hands-on time, but. Uh, the game, so the gameplay they showed was not being played live. Uh, it when it, when it says on the bottom of the screen, gameplay engine footage. They put that in there because it's not actual gameplay, right? So like when you see in-game footage or rendered in-engine stuff like that, right? Those words are used as legal jargon to sort of get around the idea that this game isn't done let me take a stab here it's actual playthrough but they did a render after the playthrough to make sure everything was clean no they literally rendered the gameplay okay so no there is no actual controller plugged into that at least from what my from from people that i talked to at the event that have worked for EA and my understanding of how the game industry functions, the gameplay was not actually gameplay. It was like a big cutscene that they edited together to like look like gameplay. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it basically you're watching a, a movie that had HUDs and things that were meant to give off the it basically was the thing that they would go into the office and be like, this is what gameplay is going to look like, boss, and like show to their boss. Why would they do that? Because the game's not done. Well, yeah, they still have a... It's not even close. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, like, EA has this history of doing this. So, like, this is why... This is what comes what it comes from, right? Yeah. So, like, a lot of, a lot of EA games... Uh, where more internal EA. So, like, as soon as EA gets their hands on something, maybe the first couple games of a studio are, like, pretty good and, and are on time and stuff like that, then the crunch of EA happens, the money-grabbing, like, crunch of EA happens, and then you get uh, stuff where it's, studios just aren't done or aren't ready, right? So, like, I don't think people understand, too. Doing an E3 build of a game is very difficult. It takes a good three to six months of just working on that E3 build to show off. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, here, guys, we're working on this game and we're at the halfway point. We need to get a, a five-minute, ten-minute section. We need to get a ten-minute section that is that, actually that's actually like finished. 90% of the way done. Yeah. So everyone shift down here and then we're never going to use this ever again. But this is something that we need to make. Yeah. Right? And then they go back to like, their regular process, right? 
So instead of doing that, what college companies do to save money and time or whatever, if they don't have the resources to do that, then they do do the, here's the render of what this game is going to look like down the line. Like they just skip to the end. They're like, cool, we have the assets ready. And then they just, they just kind of so edit models. I guess basically like, someone could have been playing that section, but they would not have been playing exactly what we saw. They would have been playing like an alpha build and correct. then they just rendered over it. Correct. Okay. And it's very much, and you can tell too, because of the way the animations look, it looks very canned. It looks, yeah. It looks like, okay, I'm pressing B. Okay, cool. I'm going to insert this in animation and like nothing else is going to happen. Like, yeah, because it felt like watching it. Wait until I'm done for this to finish. You know what yeah, like, watching it, it felt like some of the animations were still weren't finished. Right. The gameplay itself felt a little more like, I don't mind, like there yes, a that, lot of stories are on rails, but this one just, you felt like you were on the railroad. Right. And like this gameplay, gameplay footage, again, was not gameplay. It was a rendered cutscene. That had HUDs and mm. things on top of it. I mean, I'm still gonna play the game, right? But so my they, enthusiasm level is like dropping. Have you ever seen? Have you ever seen that thing, uh, the Taskbot, where they go frame by frame and just like perfectly execute a game? No, but so, that sounds like something you would have shown me. So basically, what it is is like if it's like Mario, right? You take Mario frame by frame and you edit Mario exactly to where you want and like things to bounce exactly where you want them to bounce. And then so basically when you play it, it's just like a movie that you've perfectly choreographed to way you, the way you want it, right? So okay. it's technically perfect. Yeah. Right. Uh that's essentially what this was. You know okay. what I'm saying? So it's it's essentially like someone went in movie maker with all of this, all of their assets and basically like frame by frame. Just so it was of, more animation than it was even gameplay. Right. Yeah. It wasn't gameplay. I'm telling yeah. you, it's not gameplay. It's all animation. Of, he just hand animated all of this stuff so and then put HUDs and, and damage indicators over it to make it look like gameplay. Damn. That's what it is. And when you see... So for anyone that's watching, if you see uh, gameplay footage rendered in engine, that's literally what they're telling you. Like, this is just rendered in the engine. It's, it's gameplay footage. It's not gameplay. It's gameplay footage that they've rendered in engine. They're not being. That's not like something to predict their ass. That's like literally they're telling you because they have to tell you, but they tell you in a way that's worded specifically. It's worded so in a way to where you think, "Oh, this is gameplay." Right. It's not. It's not. It is basically gameplay concept. Oi, that's also, this close to launch. Also, the gameplay concept. Did not sell me on anything. I think it looks hella standard. I know, like, I was like, I'll play it because it's Star Wars, but my enthusiasm, I'm like, it went from me being like, you know what, I'll probably pre-order just so it's on my computer so I can play it that weekend, to me being like, I'm going to see what the reviews are, Mm -hmm. and I might pick it up on sale. Yeah, it's not not promising. And, like, the thing is, the story could be great, that could be cool. Um, From a gameplay standpoint, it just looks hella standard. It just looks like... If this is what they're going for, it just feels like very cookie cutter third base third person action game. Which yeah, I was like, okay, that's cool, that's fine, I guess, but I expected more. Yeah, if I hear basically if a review says, "Oh, the gameplay is okay, but the story is amazing," then that will be enough for me because I was sure. I am going to be playing this for the story. Sure. But if I hear that the story is meh and the gameplay is meh, it's going to be like a. Yeah, when like, EA puts it on or on sale for four dollars, like which, Battlefront, which will happen. I will pick it up then. Which will happen? 
but uh well, that's disappointing yeah i mean i i'm sorry to burst your bubble but like it's not that like that's... no no it's fine like i was about to be like my whole thing on this was gonna be like i'm excited because it's star wars but that's about as all i excited yeah, it have. was real bad and like the thing is that again with ea you have to be aware and there's a lot of stuff in that's what the kind of impressive thing about cyberpunk is is like Cyberpunk? No, they're game. They're, that's gameplay. Like, let's they're, let's they're move on. You let's move on. Let's move on to Cyberpunk. Okay. Yeah, let's just do it. Let's go. That was by far the most impressive thing in the show. Did you um, see? I know you definitely saw the trailer, but of did course. you do? Um, I heard that they did yeah, another so playthrough. There's a 53 minute uh, backstage behind closed doors demo. Uh, do you think did. they're gonna uh, do what they did last time? They where probably it's- will. Uh, and it was more of so you watched, of course, the one that they did last year, mm-hmm. which was incredible. Uh, this one, they went a little more in-depth with the different class systems. Or not classes. I don't want to say classes because you cannot – there is no class-based system. You basically start in the game and there are four major skill trees that you put points into. And the, by do, performing those actions and by performing – like they all intermingle and they weave together. And of course, like you could, ha- you could have a very well-balanced one. You could have one where you're really good in two areas and not so good in another. Yeah. Like, there are different ways to do it, and it completely changes gameplay. So it's like, there's strength, there's like a strength, I forget what, what they call it, there's one that's like hacking or tech, there's uh, there's one that's literally called cool, <laughs> uh, and it goes back to like, it's pen and paper roots, right? Around- oh yeah, no, I, that's the thing I, from all the coverage I saw on uh, Cyberpunk 2077 was how many people were immediately being like, oh, this is a directly taken from the original... Yeah. Um, Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk 2020. Yeah. Or- so it's awesome. It's it's and the the thing they showed was they were running two simultaneous saves in the same spot. So basically, I think the setup was that you had to get through a building. So they had a hacker guy that was uh, like hacking cameras and like opening doors. And then when he like had to fight a guy, he hacked his arm and like made him pull his own grenade. Or, like, uh, hack the other guy's arm and, like, made him shoot himself in the head. Like, stuff like that, right? Where you're hacking people's augments and you're hacking hacking the building and, like, making sure that you can get through the building unseen, right? Because none of the cameras can, like, you're hacking cameras, you're opening doors. Like, you're doing all this stuff where by the time you get to somewhere, like, people don't know you're in the building, right? Where you need to get to because you've been so covert so your mission it. is going to play out completely different based right. on your skill tree. and then they go like let's go to this next build and it's the chick that maxed out everything in strength right and like let's see how she gets through the building and she literally just walks up to the door and rips it open and then like walks up to some dude and like rips his arm off and like goes through oh, and like and like the everyone upstairs is is like knows you're coming and is prepared but that's that kind of the right? point if you're playing right. that build and then so you just go in full ham and like start beating the hell out of it. it's great and so those are two just kind of conflicting styles. And then there's ways of like doing a little bit of both. So like, hey, I, I can hack this camera, but I can't hack the door. But hey, I'm strong enough to open the door. Cool. Oh, I'm not strong enough to open the door. Maybe my cool is cool enough where I can go and like get something, you know, someone else to yeah. help me, right? So something like that, right? Where the way you – there are so many different ways to go through that game. And so many different scenarios. Like every scenario works with every build that you've done. That you could possibly do. Didn't they? Because I know they announced a date. Yeah. So it's February, or or, sorry, April 16th? 20th, I think? No, I I thought it was the 20th too at one point, but I think it's like the 16th. I forget, but it's April something. It's it's end of April. Right. um, Next year. 
I honestly, this might be one of the few games I pre-order. <laughs> Dude, it is it is one of the most incredible things. I've never seen a game like this before. And again, it gives me huge Mass Effect vibes. So like that's my thing. And it makes it seem like if you if everyone's played Deus Ex, Deus Ex, it, this feels like what Deus Ex would have been if Deus Ex had the access to tech and time that that Cyberpunk does now, right? The, the CD Projekt Red is it, right. it has the ability to give right, and it's it's unbelievable. I'm I'm floored at what this because it's the kind of thing where after last year's demo, I was like, yes, I'm super excited. This game is everything I want. I couldn't be more pumped, and it's I don't want to know more, right? And after this demo, it's like, oh my god, this. They just showed me the tip of the iceberg. I need to see more. Yeah, well, like, I, it's, need, I need every. It seems like everything that comes out about this game, it's everyone's just like they're not telling us enough. Please, like, right? And I, it, you know me, I usually try to avoid the spoilers, no, and I'm like, please give me more information. I need to know more. It's literally, and again, I've been I I play everything. I've been working in games for a long time, and this is the one thing where I have no idea how they're doing any of it, and I have no idea how they're going to keep going, and I have no idea what. Like, it's, it's just, it's the most incredible hype and lead-up to a game I've ever seen. I and, really, and it's worth all of it. I really need to finish Witcher 3. <laughs> oh, yeah, you do. That's, that's basically how I feel. I'm like, crap, I need to finish Witcher 3 before this comes out. Not on Switch, by the way. Um, but, no, like, I saw the trailer and everything, and then I was reading about it, and it just... I'm so excited for this game. Absolutely. I, it's... It's insane. Yeah. It's absolutely insane. It's going to be one of those cases where... Just how everyone's like, oh, no, no, you can play this entire section completely different depending on how you've leveled... Like, yeah. It's like f- crossing... And like It's, it's looking the- like... If you had like a list of dream open world RPGs and how would they work. Right. And it's like they're going through and they're just checking boxes. Right. And like this might be one of the few games that i play literally as a role-playing game where like normally like for mass effect i'm like oh i'm gonna be the good guy so i'm gonna pick every good option and just kind of like mindlessly go through and pick every yeah. good option like this is, might be the one game where i really sit down and decide like who am i gonna like, be who am i gonna be what do i want like what cho- like what is my backstory what's my character been because it seems like every game that has tried to do this right like First off, the advantage is with V, you have a blank slate that you can create. Right. And it seems like a lot of other games when you have this open world oh, RPG. I love, I love the way they set it up too. Of last last year they did the the girl and then this year they, they did, did the, the guy. guy right? yeah. I love that. I love that they they're, they're showing you these different options the way that the people interact with you differently and it's great. I love it. Yeah, no, it's the fact that you're starting with kind of this blank slate though means that there's just an infinite amount of possibilities. Right. And it's incredible to me too, that like they're showing so much of this game early. Like, so like last year they set up that your, yet like, uh, your friend or whatever. Right. And then yeah. this year they kill him. They kill him. But it, it, it looks like that's probably a mission very close to that one. I know. And, the, like, and that was the thing I realized. I'm like, Oh shit. I don't think they've, and I was like my brain trying to pick up how spoilers while watching yeah. this is I'm like, I think they've only shown us like the, f- first mission of the game yeah like they haven't shown us anything because you're still that. you're still getting in favor with that one black dude that was in the millennial right yeah like, 
everything about this is just like, oh, this is only the this is just this the is the <laughs> this is the prelude. Yeah, like we haven't even broken out of the prelude into right. the actual story yet. And apparently, the Keanu Reeves character Johnny Silverhand is a big part of the game, from what they've told us. Apparently, he's a big part of the cyberpunk universe. Yes, so he's a huge part of the cyberpunk universe. Um, I watched an interview with um, Promoter, not Promoter. Um, the 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 black dude that made the yeah 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 no I, I forget his name but we'll make sure to include it, like information in very show intelligent notes. dude and just go watch him interview it's incredible because he just no kinda, yeah I agree it's like it's like watching Tolkien if you just ask Tolkien questions about Lord of the Rings and then or and, like, then, the and you didn't get the uh, annoyed old professor yeah, talking but you just but like <laughs> you just li- listen to him he's like, you ask him any question and he just like spurts off like, like oh you, yeah this character is like blah, 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 yeah and you're like whoa Where's this coming from? It's just come from his brain because he's a genius. So then, uh, apparently, he's a huge. Johnny Silverhand is a huge part of the game and a huge part of the story. And so, if the if that inter- that cutscene we saw was the first interaction of him, he can't. That can't. That has to be very, very. That has to be very early on because it made it sound like oh, he's gonna be a major major character throughout this story. Yeah, it's just so like, like that can't be halfway through. This is like very early. So this we've is only a- seen. This isn't something we reveal if it's going to be the big no, twist. This it's is, like, oh, this only, is the we've beginning. We've literally only seen maybe the first half hour, hour of that game, which is crazy considering how much we've seen. I'm so excited. This this game is going to friggin' Yeah. <laughs> we'll just stop there. This game is it, going to friggin'. It, it's going to, yeah. Um, it's insane. I do have one question, though. Did you see any of the stuff that broke out i saw it mainly on like polygon and stuff about the um ad that some people noticed in one of the playthrough videos for cyberpunk yeah in the uh, background uh what which one apparently there was like it was getting around on some things because apparently there was a transgendered figure in oh, the yeah, ad yeah and to not go into like some of the issues around that specifically it made me wonder based off some of the things that cd project red said do you think that they're going to actually... Because they've already said you could do male or female, but I'm wondering if they're going to allow transgendered characters in the game. You never know. I mean, like, body modification is such a huge part of yeah. the game that, like, I wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't... It wouldn't. I wouldn't put it past them, and it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. So... And so it's... Now, because I saw this big thing, because they, they made the comment about... The, the art designer, I forget her name, made the comment about, oh, no, no, we wanted to ta- have it be a case of where... You know, advertising tries to push sexuality of any type right. to make because sex sells, and they were like, first off, CD Projekt Red does have a bad history with making some transphobic sure. jokes in the past on their sure. Twitter handle, so everyone immediately jumped on that, being like, "Hey, why are you sexualizing it?" And they're like, "This universe was sexual," and they're like, "This universe will sexualize everyone," and it made me wonder if they're going to showcase that. I'm sitting there going. It'll be a huge misstep on them to showcase that and not enable the player character to explore that aspect. Right. I mean, again, I think it's just an idea of like I think people people look way too much into stuff like that, and I think like it's not going to be a big deal. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they if they put that ability to do that in there. I just don't think from a, I don't know how it'll work from a gameplay standpoint and like if it's even going to be possible but I mean not, again from what I saw nothing is impossible yeah. like it's it's absolutely crazy I, th- I think in their in this case it would be a huge misstep if they didn't sure. do it I could see that um but let's let's move on if you <laughs> done banging the microphone my bad Continue. <laughs> um Avengers, another big one that came out. Again, another disappointing one. I know. I saw the trailer and I was immediately like, 
Yeah. This Again. doesn't like everyone's like, oh, the characters look bad. I'm like, it's not the character models no. look bad. The game itself, I'm just like, mm. so we did see gameplay, or I saw gameplay behind closed doors. Um, it feels like a movie tie-in game, so like that's real bad. Uh, and I think like in a in a this would have been great maybe ten years ago. It's like everyone um, would because we everyone got really excited with the Spider-Man game last sure. year, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, there Square Enix is there doing Avengers," yeah. and oh my God, it could be like Spider-Man. And then this trailer played, and I was just like, and the sounds of everyone being yeah, disappointed in three, it's, two, it's and still, it's still so confusing of what they're doing too because they're very they're being very coy about is it multiplayer? Is it not? It's like what is it? Because they pitched it like a Destiny like where it is you're it's a live world that you're playing with your friends. And it's like, I don't know how that's going to work. It's mission based. So obviously live world isn't going to function. Unless it's so like does that. that mean you're not playing a character? You are playing like the Avengers are characters and you are setting like a new different hero. So they haven't really explained that. Like, so the only mission they showed was the one that they showed in the trailer, which is the bridge mission, right? On Golden Where Gate. San Francisco gets right. destroyed. So the idea of it is, that you're switching between different Avengers at different key moments. So, like, once you go through the Hulk section, you get to the Black Widow section, and you get to the Captain America section, and, like, that's what, how that mission functioned. Now, of course, because it's a very story-based mission, that's kind of okay. And because it's on a bridge, of course it's going to be linear, because a yeah. bridge just only goes one way. So <laughs> you, like, you can't turn left or right. Right, so, like, there's no way, like... <laughs> I think they picked that mission on purpose, or they set it up on purpose to like really kind of hone you in on what this game is. Uh, the gameplay looked very basic. It's like one combo button, or like one attack button, and, and just kind of movement options. Uh, very basic. Of course, it looks great, because the graphics are great, but I mean, the gameplay looked really bad. Or not bad, it just looked very meh. Yeah. And then they kept talking about multiplayer and, and adding more characters in the future and fleshing out this world. Like they showed the end pimp, the, the Hank Pym thing. Yeah. Like there's a, and, and I was like, okay, I don't know what this game is. They're like, are they, they kept, trying to do the games equivalent of the MCU? Well, that's kind of the thing of like, if they're going to add all these new characters in, they're not going to add microtransactions. They're not going to do like, it's not open world. So you can't walk around and, but there's, it's mission based, but you can do multiplayer and they're really pushing the games as service model where you're playing with your friends for a long period of time and growing this world. And they yeah. set up to two they said they have content planned for two years, at least two years. And with plans for more. And it's like why? I don't know what this game is. Yeah, it's I'm very confused. And like they wouldn't talk about it. They kept just saying they were like, it's a full on single player and multiplayer experience. Like, what does that mean? It means it's a muddled mess. Which, by the way, was my opinion of the trailer. Yeah. I, I, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, like, I, I was like, I watched the trailer, and I'm like, oh, I know everyone's been excited. And they literally have, this. they literally have the golden, golden gooses of the gaming voice acting world, and they just like, I don't understand. They have literally every voice actor you would ever want in this game, and like the cutscenes look at me. And I was like, why? And the story looks eh. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I understand. I don't get this. This is another one where I'm like, oh, this is amazing. And I would have loved for them to go more comic booky with it or more back to, like, they stuck very MCU with the designs and with the characters. And, like, that's not something you should be emulating. Like, you're not obviously going different than you, If MCU. you're not doing an MCU base, you, gotta go you away. need to go away. 
and they didn't, and they stuck very close. Like Hulk's design looks exactly like, like Incredible Hulk. Yeah, it's uh, like Black Widow's design doesn't look like Scarlett Johansson, but her costume is very oh, much yeah. MCU. She's she's in the MCU costume. Yeah, and uh, Thor has his ultimate costume because it has the six bolts. Yeah, not the four that they do in MCU, but like God, they look so similar. It's real bad. Yeah, it's just like uh, it look it, it looks like a bad movie video game. Yeah, it's really it's it's not good. Yeah, it's. Moving on. Um, So, uh, Breath of the Wild sequel. Yeah, I mean, I called that a long time ago because, again, it's a thing of Breath of the Wild's engine is so unique and it's so special and it's so something that took obviously took a long time to to make and to make and to to sort of get right that you don't want to waste it, right? Yeah. So, James, I have a question for you. Are are you mic'd up or? Okay, um, because there's now going to be a sequel for Breath of the Wild. Will you finish Breath of the Wild? Um, does the sequel come with like extra hours of daytime and other things like that? I mean, it's a whole new game. So yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, assume so I will probably play it. <laughs> I, I imagine it's only on Switch, though. Uh, I would, I would imagine so. Yeah. So that might put a nail in that for a little while. Yeah, we're still like he's been rocking Breath of the Wild on the Wii U. <laughs> Dude, Breath of the Wild, no matter where you play it, Breath of the Wild is a fantastic game. I haven't played it. I've only watched James play it, and yeah. I'm just like, I just love the art style. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, the way that the, the systems work in that game, the way that the the gameplay mechanics and the engine works in that game is absolutely incredible. So, I mean, it makes sense that they're doing a kind of Majora's Mask style um, add-on. So, like, for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Orcrate of Time for the N64 also took a long time to develop and also took uh, their game engine took a long, 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 long time to develop. And so instead of scrapping that and moving on to the next Zelda, uh, they very quickly, within six to eight months, made another game for same the engine. 64 with the same engine, similar assets, and just sort of tweaked this or made a new story and new gameplay, but with the same engine and with same I don't think anyone's going to complain, especially with how well-received Breath of the Wild was. Right, and so the sequel makes a lot of sense yeah. for that same reason, uh, in the kind of, like I'm saying, the Majora's Mask style of like, hey, let's just do this again, but different. Uh, this one looks a lot, like, darker in tone. I think that's what they've talked about so far, of like, it's going to be a little darker, it's going to be a little different, it's going to be a different take on this kind of world. Um, so that's a cool thing. I mean, it gives them a lot more time to work on Link's Awakening, which... Super excited for that game is awesome. Uh, anyone that hasn't played Link's Awakening for the Game Boy, uh, it's one of the kind of forgotten games of of Zelda because it was for the Game Boy and no one really played it. Um, but it is an incredible game and it looks fantastic on the Switch. It's one of my favorite art styles I've ever seen. Um, and so yeah, like that's great. Uh, and yeah, I'm I'm excited for that too. Yeah. But uh, Nintendo definitely won E3 this year. The Banjo Kazooie stuff and like the Dragon Quest stuff and like. Yeah, no, and, no and then again, I believe you've mentioned this already, Witcher on Switch. Yeah, which is a weird one. But again, if you're going to play it somewhere, don't play it on Switch, please. If you've already played Witcher and you know what you're expecting, then cool, go for it on Switch. Dude. Just because my whole thing would be the Switch is not the... the that, that game runs in 720 docked and 540 in your hands. Oh, Don't play it on the Switch, please. Because the whole thing with the Witcher... Is it's such a gorgeous game that you want to have something that can drive those graphics, and the Switch is not that. No, 
But if you want it on the go and you've played it before already, go for it. But if you want to experience it for the first time, please don't experience it on the Switch. Warning. Yeah. I mean, you're going to get it for the Switch, aren't you? No, probably no. not. Because I, I put a lot of time into that game and like I'm kind of done. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like... D- Nintendo's lineup is fucking crazy for the next like couple months because it's. Remember we were talking about how how long can they keep this up with like? Because yeah, they've been they basically they have a major release. It seems like every few months. Yeah, so like now they have we have uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance and Fire Emblem next month. We have uh, Luigi's Mansion coming later this year. We have Animal Crossing coming next year in March. We have Pokemon coming in November. We have uh, course smash dlc which everyone's excited about because fucking banjo kazooie holy shit uh, uh like uh we have uh, there's just a ton of stuff coming up this which is super exciting super super exciting yeah no it's holy fuck banjo kazooie though <laughs> i'm just gonna keep talking about it. like i literally flipped my shit <laughs> i mean i was i was working we're in the twitch war room and i'm i'm working and i've never seen a room of grown men explode that loud <laughs> in my entire life <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, next question. Next question. Uh, moving on, last game that I have us tracking to t- discuss briefly, it's sure. Halo Infinite. Okay. Um, love the trailer. Love the trailer. I watched the trailer and I was like, oh shit, I should actually finish watching the Let's Play video of Halo 5. Oh, you never, you didn't know how Halo 5 ends? I don't know how Halo 5 ends. And I oh, saw okay. that trailer and I was just like, I... I'm so confused. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil it. Uh, <laughs> I, I got, I think, 90% of the way through a Let's Play that someone had on YouTube, and I just was like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but it is a great trailer. Um, it's a really good trailer. It's a really good trailer. I need to see more. Did, Obviously, like they didn't show much. but I, I mean, know they said that this is a Project Scarlet title. Right. And did they say if it's coming to PC at the same time? I don't know, but I know... Project Scarlet means that it's going to be playable on Xbox One. Yeah. Um, um, the but, way that the way that they're talking about Scarlet, it's going to be playable on Xbox One. Yeah, no, but the trailer looked really good. I, of course, got a little bit hyped because I, I, I miss playing Halo. Sure. But, like... It's going to be great. Yeah. Super excited. It's going to be nice that they finally went, oh, yeah, we should probably just focus on the Chief again. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of doing... Oh, well, they got they got a lot of shit for that. So, I mean, and they came up with post statements and they didn't know they messed up. So, they've obviously... Yeah. Yeah. I think that was a big mistake with Five. Sure. Um, and I remember playing through Four and just being, like, not at all happy with that story. Not because I, like, disagreed with what the story did, but it was just, like, just didn't feel like it was really well told. Sure. So I've just been kind of like you don't want you don't want Luke Cage in your in your Spartans. Oh no no I'm totally fine <laughs> with uh, Mike Coulter as a Spartan. <laughs> that I have no issue with. <laughs> but I do have an issue with the opening cutscene looking like they were like let's take a Michael Bay type action sequence and put it in Halo. Oh I actually love that because I love the dichotomy of you take the idea of like here's this new Spartan team that's like going ham and doing all this flashy shit. And then you go to you go to blue team, and they're just like hard. they just own. <laughs> they just own without like even. They don't trying. even try. It's they're just like so cool. It like it. The like, blue team intro is very good because it's like very much like in. It's very much like hey, we're a family, we're a tight knit unit that have done this for a long time, and like we don't worry about anything. And they take out their opponents in a very well planned and thought out tactical maneuver. I mean, they just like break open a window, and then, and then like, they just let everything get sucked yeah. out. 
But I, but I hated the flashy shit. Oh no, I loved it. it. Just was like I ugh. loved it because it made blue team look even cooler. <laughs> <laughs> no, you guys do flashy shit. We get shit done. <laughs> yeah, like it made them look even cooler and even more badass. Like that's what, that's the takeaway I took from it, right? Uh, like, like here are these flashy motherfuckers, and then like here's blue team just doing shit the right way. Yeah, right? like I love it's it. It's like I love it. Uh, I love it. I'm all about it. Um. <laughs> I do want to bring up a couple other things. It's oh, it's the freaking Indiana Jones. It's Indiana Jones, and the guy does the yeah. major sword fight, and then Andy's just like. <laughs> so I showed I showed Jenny that the other day because Jenny's never seen Indiana Jones, and so I brought I I referenced that what the, right, and so I referenced I referenced that the other day, and uh, and she was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "You ever seen Indiana?" Jones? I was like, "Oh yeah." So I showed her the scene. And she goes, "That's stupid," and I was like. No one no had one, done that before. I was like, no one's done that before. Like, you don't understand. That was the first time anyone did yeah. that. Like, typically, and even now still in a movie, it's like, big sword sequence. You're like, oh, oh sword fight. And yeah. they're just like, and it's all because Harrison Ford had the shits. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> Love it. Actually, apparently the entire crew had the shits. Yeah, because they know. need something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, do want, I do want to talk about a couple other things, though. Let's go. Uh, so, just general E3 stuff. Yeah, as I speed around through this, because, like, uh, <laughs> sorry, I think people are, like, Overlooking Elden Ring, which is a George R. R. Martin thing. Yeah, like because it leaked, I think people were it sort of like, yeah, a lot, it, it leaked like hardcore leaked. So like everyone knew the name and like the setting and like. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I knew that R. Martin was doing a game. Yeah, it's so just... like the name leaked and the setting leaked and like a lot of stuff leaked. Uh, From Soft makes incredible games, and George R. R. Martin obviously knows how to make a world, and I think this could be really cool. Uh, obviously, we need to see more, but I mean, From Soft has. I think their pedigree and their reputation speaks for itself at this point. I mean, yeah, the, the, between who's making it behind the scenes, like, I was interested. I remember watching the trailer and just being, like, not sold on the universe yet. Right. And that, that's the only thing I would say about Elden Ring for me was right. I was I I'm not I haven't bought into it yet. No, but I think, like, people are overlooking it because it could be a big thing in, like, a couple months. Yeah. Uh, the other thing... Uh, and it's my favorite moment of the show, too. So on the Bethesda stage, they had Shinji Mikami come out. So if anyone... Shinji Mikami is a name that pretty much... If, you've, if you're into video games, you've heard of at least uh, once or twice. Uh, and then if you're hardcore, you know who he is. He's uh, the creator of Resident Evil. He's one of the most legendary kind of Japanese game designers of all time. Yeah. He's up there with like Shigeru Miyamoto and... Uh, um, uh, Oh, I forget. Whatever, um, and so like he's he's up there as a as a game designer, yeah. and so uh, he made his own studio a few years ago, and he's made a couple games, and they're all always fantastic, and he's always the director of his games, and so the uh, he said in interviews the past couple of years of like he he, he's, he wants to slow down, wants to like you know enjoy life, enjoy life, and be be with his family and things like that, and so like that's understandable and so this year he came out and he announced that his studio is coming out with a new game and that the game director of this new game is going to be uh ikumi nakamura who is a female artist that was his art lead for the last three games that they had made cool um which is awesome yeah cool and so he we had like a passing of the torch kind of moment where he introduces her on stage and then she introduces herself to the audience of like, here, who's, here's who I am. Here's what I'm about and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's very Japanese. It's very <laughs> much the, uh, I'm a very cute kind of Japanese bubbly personality kind of person. You know what I mean? It's, it's like that bubbly Japanese kind of personality. Okay. And the game she's introducing is called Ghostwire Tokyo. Uh, and then, so she introduces the game and it's the most, 
cheerful introduction to a straight up terrifying game that I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's amazing and it's beautiful and like go watch it because she stole the show. She was the she like Keanu Reeves stole the first day and like I think that's what a lot of people on the internet were talking about. But Akumi Nakamura, people were making fan art of her. People were taking pictures with her on the show floor. Like she was the star of E3 this year. Um, and that game looks incredible. Like you need to go, if you haven't watched that trailer, please go watch that trailer. And if you're going there anyway, just watch the entire Bethesda presentation of that game because it's absolutely insane. She's a wonderful person and she obviously has a knack for game design. And of course, if Shinji Mikami called her his protege. So if you if you have someone like that calling you their their protege, everyone's you have be, some kind of talent. Yeah, everyone's going to be paying attention right. to you now. So you have some kind of talent. So obviously there's a big spotlight on her and this game. And to me, at least from the trailer I saw, it delivers in full. Uh, so I'm I'm totally in with that game. And it came I came out way more impressed than I I should have been or was expecting to be from something like that. Because, again, I'm not a big horror game guy, but, I mean, that game looks absolutely incredible. I'll um, never play it. <laughs> the, other, the other game that I want to talk about was Final Fantasy VII Remake, because that's one that everyone was waiting for, too. Yeah. And that's something that we've been all talking about and waiting for, and, of course, it's a legendary game. Uh, I played it. That game is incredible. That game is so much more than I ever expected it to be. Uh, it's not a full Final Fantasy XV style comic system like we thought. It is a mixture of that and seven, so there is the ATB system still where you can pull up the uh, your special moves on a menu, and you have time to do that. And there's um, it's within free flowing combat. It looks incredible. Uh, they said the first game, so it's obviously they're breaking it into epi episodes here. Um, but they said the first episode of Final Fantasy VII Remake is going to cover or be the same amount of time as the original Final Fantasy game. So we're talking 10 to 15 hours. So a full experience within that episode, which means that we're going to we're going to finish this game in 2030 the way that they're, they're <laughs> going with this development. But I'm hoping they speed it up, but I'm guessing they'll go with the end of Midgar because that's sort of a natural stopping breakpoint for the acts of this game. Um, but again, it looks incredible what they added on. I obviously it sounds bloated because they're taking like maybe a three to four hour experience and bloating it into like a 10, 15, but they're adding so much more character and so many more scenes of like, I now understand Barrett more than I ever did playing it as a kid playing through final fantasy seven. Right? Like they gave him so much more character. There's so much more quippiness and cutscenes and things that where you're talking as you're moving through, there's more like, obviously just more time to a game. Right. And it's, it's great. I love it. I'm super excited for that too. Okay. I was very skeptical about them redoing this the right way. And they are so very That's excited. Good to know. I'm, Anything else? No. So those two, those two games plus Cyberpunk were my games of the show. Oh man, Cyberpunk. But uh, we need to actually wrap things up. We, if you aren't aware, we are going to be playing some Carmen San Diego. Yeah. In thirty minutes, but because of just how our whole thing is set up, we're actually going to need to break and reset. So. <laughs> um, James and I are going to be doing that very fast. Um, as always, James, if you haven't already rolled credits, because you're awesome, uh, roll credits. Um, please like, share, subscribe, do all the things. Show notes, I'm getting caught up on some stuff. There was actually a bizarre technical issue, which we might talk about at some point in the future, that was actually holding up my end of things. Right. That we only fixed this week, but of course <laughs> I have 14 billion things on my plate, and I only have space for... 13 
and a half billion. So sure. things are clearing up soon. So all that stuff should be coming up very soon to where the show notes I keep promising will actually be delivered. <laughs> uh, but other than that, everyone, please uh, stick around. We'll be back in 30. <laughs>